Hey guys, I am Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. Now, um, before we get started, thanks to everybody who listened to my last episode on Golden Boy. I had a lot of fun recording about that, recording that, and talking about that show since I have had that weird DVD set for years, and it's this infamous, infamous thing in the anime world from the 90s. And it's just, it was a lot of fun to talk about. So thank you so much for listening to that. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast in general. Blah, 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 blah. Now, before we get started, um, I am making yet another change. And I promise it's the last one for a while to the way the podcast works. Basically, I'm taking myself and, by extension, you guys off the hook for shit breaking and, like, episodes just dropping from the feed and all this other crap that happens when you have not dumb old me, but, like, way less competent in handling an RSS feed than company that sole job it is to provide said RSS feed would be. Um, handling it, with handling it, because I, for those of you who you've listened to this show from episode one, for, like, chronologically as it's been coming out, you might have noticed that the podcast are at some point dropped the little bumpers tab, and that meant that bumpers were going out of business. Now, at the time, there was another app called Anchor, which, um... I just set the podcast up on, and as you're listening to this, may even be the way you're hearing the show. Um, I just need time to, like, look into it and set it up and all that shit. But, um, so, with that said, let's get straight into it. Um, with this week's show, Basquash.
Now, for those of you who are like, what the, what the hell is Bathquash? How do I even freaking spell that show? I've never even heard of it. You've, trust me, you're not alone. I um, will have put the opening in ahead of me talking here. But it is essentially, not even essentially, it is a show that was produced in like the early... 2010s, I think it might have even been, like, produced in, like, 2010 itself, I'm not entirely sure, but basically it was bankrolled to a certain extent by Nike, and it is essentially a, for all intents and purposes, it is a basketball anime, but it is a basketball anime combined with this a giant robot anime it is giant robots playing basketball and it is as dumb and as glorious as that sounds um and when i think of giant robots i'm not talking about a gundam what dunks the the b-ball yo i'm talking about like giant robot v the v i guess the best the best comparison I could <laughs> give is if you've ever seen Megas XLR, imagine imagine a bunch of Megas XLR like car 
robots playing basketball. Or, actually, the better way... Because Megan still has, like, a mech body. Like, imagine a car with robo-arms and legs just being all giant and playing basketball. Um, but uh, the show is kind of... I, I mean, I've seen it a couple times. I think maybe once or twice all the way through and various times I just turn it on it's just like, oh, yeah, this thing exists. Let's put this in my brain again um, for some period of time. But what I want to talk about is not so much the show itself as what the show is kind of doing. Because what the show is doing is actually much more interesting than the kind of core conceit of the show. Which is essentially use giant robot basketball to fix, like, ghetto life problems. (laughs) But, um... What the show does really effectively, and this is probably kind of the hand of Nike at work, and kind of Nike giving this animation, this, the studio, I forget the studio that did this show, but it's essentially Nike giving the studio A, the excuse, and B, probably the money and the resources to go all out stylistically. So... These basketball-playing robots inhabit a world where basketball is a huge thing. It's the biggest sport, and but only because it is played by giant robots. And it's called Bigfoot Basketball. And basically, this gives the anime a reason to f- prominently feature giant Nike sneakers. <laughs> like... Size of a size of an actual car, Nike, uh, a foot for for each shoe, Nike pairs of Nike sneakers, which is its own ridiculous, insane thing. But it also it does a good job of imagining the kind of utopian version of what like the world around a sport like basketball can look. There's a scene in the first episode, I didn't run through the entire show for this podcast because I knew I was kind of going to be talking about the style of the show, and um, also I've seen it a bunch of times, so I don't really need to watch it all the way through, but you get the point. But there's a scene in the first episode where the main character is playing just normal basketball, and the show starts out with this kid, with this our main character, Dan, thinking that the idea of adding giant robots to basketball is the dumbest thing he could have ever, like, like he could have ever witnessed. And he thinks it ruined basketball, not only because it's just like... When you come in on these giant robot basketball games, you're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And then you're faced with the reality of, man, like, these people can't pilot these robots very well. They don't know how to do any, like, cool tricks. Like, there's a scene where they bring up what happens when a player drops the ball, which is, like, not a normal-sized basketball, but it is 
small enough where like the bigness of the robot is not does not account for the crevices that the smallness of the ball can like get into. So you just see like people fumbling a ball and then like chasing it like and then these giant robots chasing a basketball like toddler in a way that just doesn't just doesn't freaking happen in normal basketball. Basketball is kind of in terms of like professional sports don't get me wrong football players, soccer players American football players soccer players um, golf play, even golf players, baseball players are all tremendously amazing athletes. They are like really gifted, talented people. But basketball has this kind of realm of God's feel to it. Not because it is necessarily... Well, actually, exactly because it lends itself to tricks and, like, these kind of, like, awesome flights of fancy in sports that that don't need to be explained. When you're watching, when you're watching the, when you're watching the Olympics and the Olympics and you see somebody do something kind of fancy, and you're just like, I feel like that was a fancy cool thing, but, uh, like... The announcer's still going to have to explain it to me. Basketball's not like that. Basketball is over the top. It is wild. It is. It encourages these kinds of, like, around the back, off the backboard, ricochet, dunk shot kinds of things. It, it is a sport that allows for a movie like Space Jam to be made and... The most insane thing is that Michael Jordan's arm stretches for, like, as long as the court. (laughs) But otherwise, much of, like, a lot of the, like, basketball shots he does are things he can do. And, like, also, there's a whole section of basketball where, in the 90s, particularly for the Chicago Bulls, which shit went off the rails. <laughs> what do I mean by that? That I mean, you can go look it up on the internet, I'm sure. You can go find Dennis Rodman dunking a basketball on a fucking wedding dress. You can, like, find out why Michael Jordan is considered by many to be the best basketball player of all times. And, like, these guys, all the stuff they learn... From, like, playing basketball as a kid on the streets. All the, like, weird footwork and, like, cool jump shots that they can perform are useful. It's... If, say, something like football has all these very particular rules about what you can and can't do. In order to make... That's my dog with her toy... Um, but if football has all these, if money sports have all these particular rules that lock players into what they can and can't do, basketball has a select number of rules that are super easy to understand that have not changed for a long time that essentially encourage two things. 
they encourage fat, they encourage, like, you need to keep moving, they encourage fast-paced play, and they encourage the players to push themselves. So, you get players who are like Seth Curry, um, I think it was, I think it was, um, Austin Walker from Waypoint was talking about at some point, they put Seth Curry's actual real shot stats into whatever the latest NBA basketball video game was that year. And it broke the game. The game, the, like, the mathematics of probability and the ga- the way the game was coded wasn't prepared to handle the, like, shot average that, um, Seth Curry had. And... Like, LeBron James is just an amazing, incredible player. So is Michael Jordan. So is Dennis Rodman. And these guys just... A, by virtue of the fact that they play an indoor sport. And B, by virtue of the fact that the NBA is fairly liberal. And has gotten fairly liberal since, like... When the NBA, since the NBA first started, I guess. Um, definitely since before I was a kid. It, it creates these games that are seriously exciting to watch. I mean, I don't like watching sports, but I, I will sit down at a lot in a live basketball game, and the one of the oddest, coolest memories I have from being in. I think it was middle school, was my friend Mike, shout outs to my friend Mike if he's listening, which I don't think he is, but hey, shout outs to my friend Mike, especially for this story. His dad had, was a lawyer at the time, I don't know what he does now, um, but he had floor tickets to the, to the, um, Knicks, and Mike was like, hey man, my dad want to take me to a basketball game and he said I could bring a friend. Do you want to come along? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll go to a floor seat from a basketball game. And even as someone who is not necessarily very sport-oriented, I'm not into the sports ball, as it were, um, I was just kind of like stunned. Because there's a stunning moment when you are sitting at a table with, like, a drink as, like, a dopey kid, and you can see the edge of the basketball court. Like, you can go up and you can kick it with your foot. And you can see these guys playing in full force in all of their glory. It's really impressive. Now, me and my friend Mike are total, we're total dorks, and we're like, oh, man, that's Spike Lee on the other side of the court. And we had a fun moment with that. But it was, it was genuinely cool to be like, Wow, I get to watch like people do this thing up close and personal in a way that lots of people just don't. They don't get to. Um, but I, and also I should add that for many years now, for those of you who don't know, I am a cancer survivor, and one of the rare perks of surviving cancer is I got to go to a summer camp for many years. And this summer camp 
for I think three years, uh, um, had uh, it still had a basketball training seminar thing, and the co and the coach who went to who came to teach that coached the Knicks, the New Jersey Knicks, for a couple years. And when I was like six or something. I, you know, you, you, as a kid, you just get to go hang out with the Knicks, and, like, I loved basketball. I mean, I wanted to be Michael Jordan, just like every other little kid in the mid-90s. I, like, he was the coolest, and then he went and played baseball, and he was a little less the coolest, but, um, that aside, I went to the training, and I got along really well with the players, and it's like... I was, like, really energetic, and I really wanted to learn. And then a bunch of the players got together and surprised the living daylights out of six-year-old me and gave me a full... I still have it somewhere. Um, it gave me a full New Jersey Knicks jersey. And it, like, it was, like, the pride of my life for many, 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 many years. But, it's, like, that just shows, shows that, like... The world of basketball has something real and substantial and stylish to offer. And and this shows in many TV shows, in many anime about basketball. There's been more than a couple. There's been Slam Dunk. There's been, most notably, kind of the most recent thing that was like a smash hit was um, Kuroko's, uh, Kuroko's Basketball or the basketball that Kuroko plays. And because they have this... Because basketball has this feeling of just, like, it's a game that people with real style, that, like, titans of ability, like, play, it made Kuroko's basketball less like watching just a basketball anime and more like watching... Basketball with Dragon Ball Z powers mixed in. <laughs> I mean, like, the, the characters on that show, the good guys had, like, amazing abilities. The bad guys had, like, terrifying freaking abilities. The way that they could, an the way that basketball allowed itself to be an animated was stunning. So, there's, I mean, there's definitely something stylistic there. But what's missing out of stuff like Slam Dunk or Kuroko's Basketball or... I'm, I'm missing a basketball show. I can feel it in my veins. Um, but what's missing from those shows is an aspect of basketball that's that is very present present in American basketball and has always been present in American basketball and has in time because it's been so present in American basketball and no matter what you say America like we do basketball the motherfucking best no ifs ands or buts about it we do it best and part of it is because we have an amazing street ball scene there are, and what I mean by that is, the kind of, like, the hip-hop world, the sports world, and, like, the art world all come together to make this kind of 
street back this like basketball street culture that um at the time when basquash was made we're back in it um that was really popular that was a thing that nike was pushing and nike still pushes this on some level you can see it in the colors they use for their shoes the way they the way they market their stuff in certain er, in certain places it's like this hip-hop street style basketball players are still a thing and what just to give you an idea of how kind of awesomely coveted some of this stuff was I have a old family friend a guy who's a chef who used to play street street ball in New York and if you know anything about New York street ball there's a couple documentaries you can check out I wish I knew there are courts and there, there are courts that are world famous that people come from all over the world to play at and that like NBA actual NBA players can't cut it on and there's a lot of art and music and culture that surrounds like these games and and street basketball in general and so now we get back to the kind of story and what I want to demonstrate about the kind of stylistic ability of a show like Basquash um, in that first episode, there's a scene where Dan, the main character, is playing just normal basketball on a basketball court. Only when they zoom out, you see this kind of, like, you wonder, like, where the heck is he playing? It must be on a court, but all I, I don't see any singular color. And then he pulls out, and there's this beautiful graffiti mural that's done end-to-end on this court... That just exists from who knows when, since who knows when. It's just this gorgeous display and of like the utopia of basketball, basically. That's like basketball is like the sun in this mural. That's also a flower, and it it represents this kind of like beautiful hip hopness of the of basketball that basketball can have um and the whole show is kind of dripping with this from the eye catches that are absolutely graffiti inspired to the character designs and the color choices it it all has this authentic kind of street ball feel to it that's re- that's really impressive and it's, it's not it's not impressive because Japan did it it's not like they they can't do that they certainly have their own versions of that and it's not like it's ununderstandable from someone who's not in it or who's not Americans perspective it's more just that it's impressive that they took the time to put into that show, put into that show, say what you will about the story and the character with giant tits, like so big, like just might as well be two circles from a circle template on this lady's chest, holy shit. Um, um, and then the other one, 
who also had giant... There's a couple characters in that show with giant tits. It's, it, at the time it came out, it was kind of a meme of like, oh, this this is like, this is the titty show of this season, but it also might be okay? Who knows? Um, but it, it just has... It, it captures that feel. And now that brings me to why I wanted to talk about this show. I wanted to talk about this show because... I remember watching it, and I remember being just kind of stunned by just, like, the unapologetic, just, like, this sh- this show is picking a way to look, and it doesn't give a shit if you don't like it. It, it is, it is it, I mean, sure, it has, it's the character, character designs that are meant to be, like, you want to buy a figure or her, or, like, she, she's waifu, she's waifu bait, um... But the show, the whole show, the whole has this kind of like gives no fucks. We're just making these characters because they seem like street baller dudes. Period. I mean, there's a character I shit you not named Iceman Hottie. You, that that is. I very rarely say this, especially of male characters. That is inspired in, like, a super dumb way that you kind of can't not help but love. Like, even if you're like, oh, that's so dumb. At least they went for it. But it's just, like, that style and that... That show oozes that style. And, like, the Basquash style is this look and feel of a show. And I kind of was like, eh, I'm probably never going to see anything like this again. And there have been a couple others that have been like, oh, that kind of reminds me of Bathwatch in this way or that way or blah, 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 blah. But then this season we had, we have, I'm going to go watch the third episode of it after I get off of this recording and posting session. Um, we had a little show called that is blowing up right now called Megalobox. Megalobox, and Megalobox is um it is a fiftieth anniversary kind of project of for Ashida for Ashida no Joe, and Ashida no Joe is the like original boxing manga. It is the kind of manga... It is the manga that continued for uh, for a large part of a manga. It inspired Hajime no Ippo. And this is basically like a uber-futuristic spin-off of it. But it, it has a lot of the same stylistic feels as Basquash. And Basquash... Has where Basquash has this kind of fixation with giant robot basketball. This show has a fixation with, or, or is all about robotic, mechanized suit, mecha suit boxing, basically, like exoskeleton boxing, mecha exoskeleton boxing, if you will, and it's. It it has that same hip hop 
hip hop universe, but not this kind of like. It, and Basquatch has this in spades. So I heard someone describe um, Megaloboxes kind of setting as, uh, as not a dystopia, certainly not a utopia, but definitely also not a dystopia. It just, it feels like a tired future. And that means that people don't necessarily have it terrible, but they don't have it great because this is the part of the future where no one's made the next, taken the next step. They haven't leaped from the from one stone to the next yet, and there's not a whole lot of the stone they're standing on left. It seems like so, uh, and. In both of these shows, you, you see, you meet these characters when they're kind of like living in the slums, scraping to get by, and as the show progresses, I mean, clearly in Megalobox, it, Joe, who used to be just, who used to just be called Junk Dog, um, he gets the ability to fight in the Megalobox tournament, um, in Basquash. Dan, basically, he gets to go to the moon, which is, this, in Basquash, the moon is pitched as, like, well, we are, we're all the plebes and, like, idiots and, like, slumlords living, sl- slumming it down on Earth, where Earth has become this kind of, like, tired, not, everything works but just barely, and nobody's really, like, n- people are happy, but nobody's really um, th- super thriving in a way that's you, you would traditionally think as thriving in Earth in Basqu- on Earth in Basquatch. All those people, all the people who do that, move up to the moon, and the moon is like this totally colonized, like gridded out city of a planet that just hangs in the sky at night, and it's just like, it's, it's like looking, in the universe of Basquash, looking at the moon is like looking at, is like looking at New York or Los Angeles or any big city when you're in a plane. You just see all of the lights because it is so, like, populated and, um, just thriving. It is a thriving metropolis planet thing. Um, and so eventually, you know, Dan gets to go to the moon, and he gets to play in these, in this, like, huge lunar, like, Bigfoot basketball tournament, and the same is true in, um, Megalobox. Joe, I mean, as of episode two, I haven't seen episode three yet, because I'm recording this for you guys and myself. I like doing this. I'm not going to lie. Um, but Joe gets to fight in the in Megalobox. In, in, like, I forget what the name of the tournament is. But um, he gets to fight in that tournament. And, like, you can see the kind of trajectory Joe's taking in the same way that you saw the trajectory Dan was taking. Except... In Basquash, it was a team sport, and here it's an individual sport. So, uh, the dynamic, the dynamics 
a little different, but the basic the basic character arc is all is very similar, and I I can't take credit for noticing the kind of like similarities immediately. I was on um, I use an app to track my anime. I think I've talked about it before. It's called Kitsu. Uh, spelled the way you think it's spelled, you can find it on the internet or on, I think, both app stores. Um, but somebody was talking about Megalobox, and they went like, oh yeah, this thing reminds me of that weird show Bathwash from forever ago. And I was just like, oh yeah, they do. And I instantly like popped in them like, oh, <laughs> fun fact. That show was at least part was at least partially bankrolled by Nike, and the person was just like, "Wait, what? Really?" I'm like, "Dude, the swoosh is in the is in the opening credits. It is in the little like company listing part of the opening credits. That is a thing in anime. Um, but um, it's just the show is just Basquash as a show, as an aesthetic exercise, as a stylistic." like, thing is really interesting, even if you're not into, like, the, like, totally rude titties of some of the, of some of the girl, of some of the female characters in this show, or you're not into kind of, like, his babbling weird asshole pet, or any of the story, because the story is kind of, when you step back and you look at it, it's a pretty stock standard sports anime story, you know. Come up from the bottom, get, like, find team members, like, win the day, and so- somehow, by winning the day, you stop, like, the moon from exploding or some shit. Um, but, it, it, I mean, it. the story is harmless, more or less. I mean, um... Especially considering, I think the director uh, stepped down in the middle of that show. I'm pretty sure he did, but um, you can find articles about that on Animated Network. But no, it's just it's a really fascinating, just weird little piece of like, wait, what? Anime made anime made a like I get the an I get the anime made a show about giant robots. I even get an anime, uh, that anime made a show about basketball. But you mean to tell me that someone said, what if, what if, what if both, bro? <laughs> what if we made a show about giant robots playing basketball? And what if we kind of captured what street, what street ball brings to the, like, the official full-on basketball court in a really serious, awesome way. Because, like I said in the beginning of this podcast, when they introduce Bigfoot basketball, the, like, the, the dream is what you get later. The, like, reality is just, like, oh, this is a bunch of forklifts playing fucking basketball. This is idiotic. And boring as hell, ultimately. But then, kind of, the main character and kind of starts a revolution by stealing a Bigfoot 
and he introduces the kind of like street ball style to Bigfoot basketball and kind of like he the other thing about this is he straight up goes to jail for a fucking year like they there's a year long not in reality but like the show was like there's a year long gap between episode one and two because the main character just went to jail for stealing a giant robot and, and like Busting in on someone on these like dweebs game of like badly played basketball and freaking taking it to the hole real hard. He he went to jail. The main character in the show, Dan, goes to jail for being awesome. <laughs> for basically, um. But yeah, it's just it's like I keep saying, it's this really incredible stylistic exercise that I, as someone who thinks about that stuff a lot because of my day job and because just I'm me, appreciates like, oh wait, they totally like captured this, this aesthetic, the aesthetics, the aesthetic and feel of street basketball, of, and not just of street basketball, of American street basketball. Because, like, yeah, you know, it would be cool to see, like, what Chinese street basketball looks like, or Japanese street basketball looks like. But, like I keep saying, there is an un... As America's learning right now, and, and dealing with, there is a, like, freedom and unhingedness to America that allows think like uh, amateur basketball to get real crazy in a way that it doesn't in any other country and allows the like the the athletes to experience it in a really insanely awesome way um that it, is unlike any other place in unlike basketball played anywhere else in the world no matter what you try and say you can be like oh yeah Jeremy Lin is a real inspiration to chi- to Chinese players and you know basketball is huge in China right now and you'd be right but Yao Min's all they got <laughs> we we got Shaq we got LeBron we got Jordan we got Rodman, we got any number, we got Bird. We have a basketball player with so much money that he is literally living with AIDS because he is throwing money at it in Magic Johnson. That's not awesome. I don't know what fucking is. And on that note, um, this is running a little short because I am worried about the uploading process. For anchor because I'm a sad, sad man. But I have been Alex and this has been Lunchbox Radio. If you have liked this podcast, please um, like it on iTunes or whatever podcasting you're listening to this on or anchor and subscribe on one of those podcast platforms. Share it with your friends. Shoot this out into the universe. 
take it to the hole on Twitter. Um, any other metaphors you want about social media and sharing of this episode and this podcast. Um, but yeah, share it with friends. Um, and until next time, when I will talk to you later.